0: Hello, hello, Heat Nation. Welcome back to Heaters Gonna Heat, the Miami Heat podcast for the OTG Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to bring you the latest on our favorite NBA team, the Miami Heat. It was do-or-die time for the Miami Heat this week. I know we've said a lot that the season is long, but eventually it does come to an end. And Miami, at the very end of their season, found themselves with an opportunity to get out of the playing game that they've been hanging around in for most of the season. And you could really tell that there was this sense of urgency uh, everywhere from both the team up into uh, the coach as well. So, like, Eric Spolstra uh, went to a nine-man playoff rotation style rotation for these three regular season games. Just to, again, try to emphasize the importance of it. And it definitely worked as Miami walked away now on a 3 win streak with wins over the Timberwolves and crucial wins over the Celtics in a back-to-back. First up, though, was against, uh, we were hosting the Minnesota Timberwolves. That is the game we won 121-112. to 112. Uh, Going through a quick recap of the game, this was like a good back-and-forth game with the Wolves uh, starting out. However, the Wolves led for most of the first quarter behind D'Angelo Russell's 11 points. He was just torching Miami to start up the game. Uh, going into the second quarter, though, Miami went on a little 7-0 run to take the lead behind Tyler Hero dropping four uh, threes in the second quarter. This was Tyler Hero's first time back in six games, and the improvement was absolutely evident from the start. Everything from just the confidence, the balance he had walking around, uh, the way that he was shooting the ball. It was marketably better. He looked a lot more like the hero from the bubble versus what we've had most of the season, which uh, has struggled mightily, especially with uh, his three-point shot. But uh, for the Timberwolves game and for the next two games after that as well, as we'll get to later... It looks like Hero's shot is back, which just at the right time, Miami definitely needed it. Back to the game, though. Uh, As things went into the third quarter, uh, still Miami had a good league going for, for most of it. Things did start to get a little bit chippy which eventually led to some technical fouls and some free throws for Jimmy Butler. But most importantly, D'Angelo Russell, who was still shooting very well against Miami at that time, got ejected for having two technical fouls. So, big blow to the Timberwolves, and something that Miami definitely capitalized on to uh, both Bam and Butler pushing their lead to 11 going into the fourth quarter. In the fourth, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, who had been mostly held, held quiet that game, mainly due to the foul trouble, uh, he had the time in the fourth to just come completely alive, helped to push the Wolves within seven. However, Goran Dragic, who finished with a, a plus 17 overall, hit back-to-back threes that were just absolutely backbreaking for the Wolves. And then just to finish it off, Tyler Hero, who finished with a game-high plus 21, sunk a dagger three to finish out. The game, And this was a phenomenal bounce back performance for Tyler Hero, who ended up going six of eight from three. And again, just everything from the balance, the handles, the shooting, everything just looked more comfortable. So glad to see that that rest helped to pay off. Uh, The other thing was Butler returning from um, the Mavs game that he missed on Tuesday with flu-like symptoms. So maybe there was a little bit of concern with how Butler was going to be. Wouldn't have even noticed it. He looked great, dropping in 25 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, and 5 steals to show that he was ready uh, for both ends, ready to go. So, great bounce back for Jimmy Butler as well. Uh, Big overall stats, probably the big thing that jumped out, and that is of interest, that will be included for the next few games as well, and again, it's one of those like peaking at the right time kind of things, is Miami's 3-point shooting. So a lot of the times this season, when we've looked at times that the Heat have struggled or that they've lost bad games, it's been pretty heavily correlated with how they've shot the three, which I know kind of seems like a, a no-duh thing. In general, this is a three-point shooting league, so it makes sense. If you're not shooting threes, you're not going to win games. But for certain teams, it means more to them than others. So like for example, the Philadelphia 76ers with like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, Yes, they do need some some three-point shooting like any other team, but if they're not getting that three-point shooting, well, that's kind of fine. Like, Ben Simmons can push in and transition to get some buckets. Joel Embiid, you can just throw it to him in the block, and he'll get you some buckets inside. They have ways to mitigate that. The way Miami relies upon the threes is pretty much everybody but Bam and Butler needing to be able to knock them down. So for this game, we saw Goron Dragic and Tyler Hero contributing a lot to that, to the three-point barrage, And that helped to power the Heat win because that offense was way too powerful. Going into the next game, these were the crucial games against the Boston Celtics, both at Boston, by the way, and with uh, a tiebreaker on the line and probably a spot in the actual playoffs, a.k.a. avoiding the playing game on the line. So the first game against the Boston Celtics was one that Miami actually led for the whole game, which is... Always fantastic, a little stat to put out there. They started with, uh, they were pretty close to start out with, and then a little 10 0 run halfway through the first quarter, primarily pushed by two Duncan Robinson threes, helped to start to give them a little bit of an edge. And then Drogage with some late threes at the end of the first quarter. Again, note uh, Drogage shooting threes, Miami does a good job. They pushed the lead up to 13 to start out the first quarter. Going into the second, the Heat just built upon that lead that they had. Trevor Ariza came alive for 15 points in the second quarter, and the Heat pushed the lead up to 26 at halftime, which sounds like it's going to be game over. However, Miami knew this, Boston knew this, even the commentators on the game knew this. Boston was too good of a team, and they had been in this situation too many times throughout the year, which sounds bad, but at least that means they have the experience, that they could... And would almost dig out of this hole in the second half. So it started with uh, Miami Heat favorite Evan Fournier of the formerly of the Orlando Magic and an all-time Heat killer. Just I don't know what we did, but when he plays Miami, he is like an all-NBA player. He uh, Evan Fournier powered the Celtics in the third quarter with 14 points uh, on his way to a game-high 30 points. That kind of helped to bring things um a little bit closer late into the third until Butler and Dwayne Dedman went on a 10-4 run by the between the two of them to push the heat back up to 21 going into the fourth. So even even with Fournier going off for a little bit, still we they only reduced it from a 26-point lead to a 21-point lead and yet you could watching the game it was one of those things you could see the momentum shifting and building a little bit more into the Celtics' favor. And sure enough, they went on a 12-0 run right near the beginning of the fourth quarter that helped push, uh, drop Miami's lead down to about 11 at the time, and they were able to then chip away from it there down to six. However, Bam Adebayo came out with a huge offensive rebound and layup later on to push the lead back up to 11 and then knock down a jumper followed by Jimmy Butler knocking down another jumper, daggers, game over. Uh, Big stat to take away from this, again, going back to that shooting idea. Miami crushed it in shooting this time. They went 16 of 35 for 46% from three, while the Celtics went 14 of 38 for 37%. The Celtics shot well in this game. However, the Heat were just on fire from deep, especially Drogage, Robinson, and Hero. And yet, if you're Boston at that time, there still were some good things to take away. I mean, they were down by as much as 26, which obviously is bad. But they were able to find some things that worked in the second half and push themselves within six. And again, the the Celtics at the time had the wiggle room. They only needed to win one of these two games in order to own the tiebreaker and probably kick Miami into the play-in tournament. So between showing some things in the second half and only needing to win the second one, there there wasn't a sense of Miami coming in to that second game. Like, they were going to knock the mess out of the Celtics, nor vice versa. Like, that game was still definitely up in the airs going into it. And that game it ended up being... They definitely had, like, a big playoff atmosphere to it. These were two teams with their seasons on the line going at it. Uh, to start out this game... There was a little bit of drama at the beginning just because Kimba Walker looked like Bam kind of landed awkwardly on his left shoulder. He exited for about two minutes, and so there was a little bit of concern how injured he was because it was just an odd-looking contact. However, Kimba Walker was able to come back not too long after that, a few minutes later on, so back by even like the halfway point of the first quarter, and he ended up being perfectly fine because he went on for a game-high 36 points. But uh, to get into the game real quick this this was a tightly contested in the first half the heat i mean we're talking like lead changes ties back and forth all through the first and second quarter until about the very end of it when the heat were able to do a little quick little five zero run to go up six at the half and that was about the biggest lead at that time just to give you an idea of like this was a back and forth affair as the second half started though there was a little bit of dread for miami because rather than jimmy butler coming out to start the second half it was tyler hero because jimmy butler in the first half took a hit from marcus smart um in the face and looks like he pretty much took a really bad eye poke uh, there was some video it looked like he was telling spolster like i can't see out of this eye or this eye is blurry i can't see right regardless he would not return for the rest of Well, he was listed as available, um, but would end up not returning for the game. Available probably just meaning like, hey, if everything's falling apart, they were going to roll him back out. Fortunately, though, they didn't need to roll him back out as Miami was able to take care of business. And the reason for that was Duncan Robinson, who channeled a lot of his inner butler, driving to the rim, just drawing contact. He drew three shooting fouls in a row that helped Miami keep a little bit of their lead um, on his way to finishing the third uh, third quarter with 13 points and also played a bit of a role in a closing uh, quarter run as well. So they, cl- speaking of which, they closed the third quarter on a 17-6 to run, which put them up 14 going into the fourth, essentially putting us in a little bit of a similar situation to what it was the night before. Like, okay, Miami has a big lead. But you got to expect Boston fighting for the lives is going to make a push in the fourth. Uh, however, Miami would avoid most of that drama as they open up the fourth quarter on a 12-5 run, primarily behind Goran Dragic 3, Goran Dragic 3, Tyler Hero 3, and another Goran Dragic 3. So they just absolutely tore it up from deep range, pushing the lead up to 21, and getting Miami quite a bit of breathing room. Kind of like we saw the previous game, though, uh, the Celtics were able to kind of chip away at it, especially uh, Tatum and Walker. Walker finished with a game-high 31, while Tatum wasn't much farther behind at 33. However, they weren't really able to get it within 10 points at all, just because Miami was able to at least hold off around there. So it ended up being another solid 129-121 to 121 victory for the Miami Heat. And like before, we saw even better shooting uh, from the Miami Heat this time around, they went 16 of 30 for uh, from three for 53%. So shooting over 50% from three at this point, which again, that's behind their best shooters, Dragic, Hero, and Robinson, all managing to drain threes at the same time in the air for a stretch for probably the first time all season. And shockingly enough, Miami's offense looks so much better. Uh, The Celtics still shot a really good 18-37 for 49%, so they weren't too much farther behind Miami in this regard, but it goes to show that when Miami is winning uh, the three-point shooting contest and also shooting significantly good, like round 40% or up, this offense kicks it to a whole new level, and with the defense that they already have, this is a really scary playoff team, just like it was last year. Speaking of playoffs, this is now a good chance to segue into the most important thing going on right now for the Miami Heat is, again, the Eastern Conference standings. So quick uh, run through the standings right now. 76ers are the first seed. Two games behind them is the Brooklyn Nets at the second seed. Uh, The third seed is the Milwaukee Bucks, three games behind first. Uh, Then there's a big drop. The Hawks are currently fourth, uh, nine games behind first, tied with them in games. But then there's tiebreakers we'll get into. The Heat at 5th, the Knicks at 6th, so all three of those teams are tied right now. Then we have the Celtics at 7th, 12 games behind. The Hornets at 8th, 14 games. Pacers at ninth, 14 games. Wizards at 10th, 15 games. And now we see the importance of the wins that Miami was able to stack uh, just this just last week as they have now managed to get themselves tied with the Hawks and the Knicks. While the Celtics have dropped three games below the Heat, and considering there's only three games left, even if the Heat were to lose all their games, so they went 0-3 and the Celtics win the last three of their games, they would get the same record as Miami. However, we now own the tiebreaker with a 2-1 to series lead, which essentially means Miami is guaranteed a playoff spot they will not be in the playoff playing games. Go Heat. First step has been taken care of. And really, this is like a good time to just stay, kind of stand back and reflect upon the season as a whole, where Miami at times were several games below 500 and as worse as 12th in the conference. Right now, they are 38 and 31, seven games over 500, and now a secured top six playoff seed which is just, again, goes to show you how long the season can be and how you kind of have to weather. It's more of a marathon than a sprint. So if you have a bad part here, you just need to pick it up there. But again, also, above all else, to the resiliency of this team, everybody from Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, all of them hung in there, and their effort has been rewarded. They have dug themselves out from that hole and have gotten a top-six finish. At this point, the next step is trying to keep up with the Knicks and the Hawks, at least specifically the Knicks. So the Hawks, they they own the tiebreaker on the Heat. So it'll be a little tricky for the Heat to actually get above them since they're tied right now. They would need to, you know, win one more game while the Hawks lose one more game kind of thing. But so long as they keep pace with the Knicks, they own the tiebreaker on the Knicks. So that is how... I mean, that's why currently they're the fifth seed because they own that tiebreaker. But that is how they could remain in that 4-5 to five seed, which I continue to think is Miami's best chance of getting back to at least the conference finals because that'll give them a, a most favorable matchup against probably the Hawks, which I know the Hawks' offenses can can give the Heat problems. But I think in a playoff setting, when Eric Spoelstra can just game plan for the Hawks, we're going to see... Um, we're going to see a much different performance than, than compared to the regular season, and if not, then I'm just going to be very sad about it, so we can have fun with that. But uh, back to the point, Philly is just about locked into that first seed. There's still mathematically a chance that they're not. They needed to win one more game, which they could have done against the Pacers last night, but they did not. However, they're still probably going to be the first seed, so... Miami, first of all, to get out of the first round, if we look at it, essentially their first round playoff opponents right now would be one of the Nets Bucks provided that they are the sixth seed, or the Hawks Knicks, provided they're in the four to five matchup. Which is pretty easy to tell. You don't want the Nets if you have to choose between Nets or Bucks or Hawks and Knicks. We're gonna take Hawks and Knicks, that's so gonna be our best chance to get out of the first round. And then with that, if we're in that 4-5 to matchup, we get Philly in the second round, which is, I still think, a favorable matchup for Miami. Again, compared to either those Nets or Bucks teams, which if you were to fall to the sixth seed, you would have to play one of those teams and then probably play the other team just to get to the conference finals. Not a a good path for Miami versus getting one of the uh, Hawks or Knicks and then probably the 76ers to get you to the conference finals. So, in order to accomplish that goal, right now, Miami just has to keep pace with the Knicks. They're tied with them, so as long as they, you know, obviously the best thing would be just to win out, because then there's nothing the Knicks can do. But if that's not possible, then at least try to keep pace with them. So, looking at both the, the Hawks and the Knicks, their their last few games, they have some pretty favorable conditions for them. So the Hawks are hosting the Wizards tonight, which is probably their toughest game that they have left on the schedule. After that, they have hosting the Magic and the Rockets. So it is pretty conceivable for the Hawks to, to close out this season 3-0 and or maybe at least 2-1. So it's going to be tricky for Miami to pull off. Um, they would need to go at least 2-0 to give the Heat a chance to go 3-0 and to usurp them for the fourth seed. Meanwhile, the Knicks host also host all last three of their games. They host the Spurs, the Hornets, and the Celtics, which could actually give them a little bit of challenge. And again, it's one of those things where if they lose one, two, maybe even all—well, if they lose all three games—and that that's it. There's no way mathematically uh, for them to get higher than the sixth seed. Well, sorry, that, I don't take I take that back. They could stay tied with the Hawks, and they own the tiebreaker over the Hawks. So that is how we could get the Knicks in the first round, but that requires, like, Miami to have a better record than both the Hawks and the Knicks, while the Knicks and the Hawks tie in record. Yeah, that's how it would have to go. So, a bit unlikely. It pretty much looks like it's uh, probably going to be Hawks-Heat for the first round, which I'm still fine with because... I look forward to um, Trae Young getting exposed as an absolutely horrific defender on a playoff stage. Back to topic, though. Uh, The Hawks and Knicks overall have pretty favorable closes to their season. The the Hawks probably have the easiest one. The Knicks, a little bit in the middle. I would say Miami has the toughest closing three. So our schedule to close out the season, we are at the very end. We host the 76ers, which... The 76ers, they had a tough loss to the Pacers last night, So, and they have yet to lock up the first seed. They probably want to do that so that they can rest ASAP. Would not be surprised to see them uh, come out and put a good bit of effort into this game, especially if they want to make a bit of a statement against a potential second-round opponent in the, in the Miami Heat. Conversely, you could tell me, hey, the Philadelphia 76ers, their last two games they host— the Orlando Magic, so long as they win, a, win one of those two games against the Magic, which seems pretty likely, that's also how they can clinch uh, the first seed of, of the Eastern Conference. And they can do that without with resting uh, Embiid and other players on a road game against a red hot Miami team, and also not having to show anything for a potential second round opponent. So like, there's a, there's a bit of an argument that can be made both ways. So I don't know how that's going to go. Regardless, uh, Miami first hosts the 76ers, and then their last two games are on the road, the first of which is against the Bucks on Saturday, who are in an interesting spot. Right now they are third uh, at three games behind first, but the Nets are only one game ahead of them for that second seed. Not quite sure how much the Bucks value that. However, they do own the tiebreaker on the Nets, so if they can just get one game up to tie the Nets, then they'll take the second seed and, and relegate the Nets to the third. Again, it really doesn't make much of a difference except in the second round, who has the home court advantage and who doesn't. However, I wouldn't put it past the Bucks to still want for it anyway. It It's still an advantage against a second-round opponent. So, for the Bucks, you could maybe see them putting in effort Saturday. Also, it's against Miami who... You know we have a little bit of a history with, so wouldn't be surprised to see him try to step up for it. Conversely, I could also see the Bucks just saying we're fine with the third seed and let's get our players some rest right before. However, with the way that the play-in tournaments now works, now players are that are on these top teams are going to get the rest anyway because the play-in tournament takes a week. So maybe the rest part won't be as important this year, and it'll just be about trying to get as high a seating as possible. Who knows? That, that's what makes Miami's potentially the hardest of the three between Hawks, Knicks, and Heat, um, but maybe potentially middle or easiest, just because we don't know what's going to happen with the 76ers and the Bucks, whether they're going to want to play certain players or not or really try to chase seating. It's just tricky. But assuming that they are going to play their important players and not rest because of the week off of the playing tournament, there's going to be tough games. And like I said, Miami needs to keep uh, one, probably two wins to finish off. Their last game of the season is at the Detroit Pistons. That's probably a game that the, it kind of sucks. It'll, it'll depend a lot upon where the Heat are at that point. If somehow they continue this stretch where they can beat the 76ers and or the Bucks and or other stuff happens with the Hawks and Heat, maybe they're at a point that that Pistons game doesn't matter. But if they are at the point that that game matters, at the very least, that's the last game of the season and is one that Miami should punch a win in if they need it. So two rough games and then an easy one to close out the season. So before this episode closes out, just wanted to take a little bit of time just to reflect upon what is probably Miami's playoff rotation. So that, that Spolstra was using these last three games primarily. He cut it down to nine men, and like, like that was literally it. Uh, they, were, they all stepped up great, obviously, with three straight wins. Uh, but take a look at it real quick. We have the usual starting lineup that we've had. Uh, Bam Adebayo, Trevor Ariza, Jimmy Butler, uh, Duncan Robinson, and Kendrick Nunn. And then coming off the bench now we have like usual Dragage and Hero and Dwayne Dedmon and Andre Iguodala. So this looks like it's going to be Miami's playoff rotations, which sound would have sounded a little bit questionable a few weeks ago. However, with the way that Dragage and Hero are shooting now, that bench brings a whole new element offensively, and overall Miami's three point shooting has popped back up because their their shooters are making their shots now. None is Hero Robinson and Drogic. So if they're dropping their threes, then that's gonna give the spacing for Bam and Butler to get to work. And then we already know this team on the defensive end is very good. So no need to worry there. Miami, just like they've done these last last few games, this is a recipe for success for Miami. Were this rotation to be cut down to eight would probably be a situation where either Hero or Dragic, uh one of them gets promoted to the starting lineup, and then probably Kendrick Nunn ends up being the odd one out. Which sucks, because he's, he's been a very reliable player for Miami this year. However, he's also been a professional about it, so I'm sure he would understand. It's what Miami ended up having to do last year, although, counter-argument, Nunn was recovering from COVID at the time. Um, but... If Miami has to cut it down to eight, I I think that's probably what happens that the guard spot gets squeezed out. Cause you if you look at the bench unit, it's two guards, a wing, and a big. So you need at least your wing and your big backup, and at worst one guard. So Dragut or Hero probably aren't going. I mean, unless Hero is really bad defensively and his, his shot doesn't go down. But if the Hero from the last three games can continue on. I, I think you would bench none before you would bench Hero uh, in a playoff series. The other part that's of note to bring up is a little bit of bad news. It looks like Victor Oladipo ended up having a season-ending surgery on his right quad, specifically the, the same quad that he injured with the Pacers a few years ago. It, from the reports, it wasn't a situation where the tendon ruptured, so it's not like it was a worst-case scenario. But it's still two surgeries on the same, um, you know, quad muscle. Does not look good for Oladipo. Um, obviously, short term, he's, he's not going to be there for the Heat. So what we have is what we have. Even in retrospect, I think the Heat did a good did a good job trading for him and, get, and taking a gamble on that. I am a firm believer that at some point within the course of being like an NBA GM or president, you just have to make a smart, calculated gamble. And if it works out great, if it doesn't, oh well. You know, you technically gamble on making this big three with LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh and not having room for much else, but that obviously paid off great. That was a really smart gamble. And I still think the Oladipo was a smart gamble to try to raise Miami's ceiling. Unfortunately, it didn't pan out. It's still not all for nothing, mainly because Miami still has the bird rights for Oladipo. So they could look at trying to maybe re-sign him to like a cheap prove-it deal. Um, obviously, they'll also be able to keep in contact with him to, to get the most up-to-date information medically. And they know that Oladipo wants to be here. So I, I would think that Miami would at least offer him a prove-it deal. The only thing that could keep him from not going back to Miami in that situation would be if some some uh, low-level team, I don't know, I'd have to look see who has cap space, but I would think somebody like maybe the, um, the Kings or the Cavs or something like that, they just throw a ton of money at them and say, here, we don't care that you're injured. Here's all the money. I couldn't blame Oladipo for, for taking the bag. Got to grab it when you can. It would just mean he wouldn't be getting it in Miami. What if Oladipo didn't get injured will always be a fun what if for this season? But that'll, unfortunately, all that'll end up being. Like, I'm sure Nuggets fans are going to look back at this and say, man, what if Jamal Murray didn't get injured? I think they would have been legitimate title contenders. But you can always find plenty of these kinds of examples throughout NBA history. The, all the, the what ifs, what if this person didn't get injured kind of things. I just hope Oladipo has a great recovery and can continue to have a good career. And I would like it if Miami gave him, like, a, a good it deal that he accepted and could bounce back uh, in Miami where he's always wanted to be. Uh, but this will close it out for this episode. The next episode I will be putting out uh, Monday. So it'll be after the Pistons game, before the play-in games. Miami won't be playing of them, so that's fine. But that'll essentially be kind of recapping the last three games for the Heat this season, and then looking at their playoff opponent and how things are going to match up there. So you can find me on Twitter at KBR Heat Nation and the podcast as well at Heaters Heating. Also be sure to check out the OTG podcast network at OTG Basketball. Uh, We have plenty of other teams and some other fun podcasts as well. Uh, One of my personal favorites is the NBA Outlet for some good general NBA talk. Corey and Nick and the crew do a great job there. I do thank you very much for checking in and I hope you have a great one. Let's go Heat Nation.